Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back to the PA, the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and this is the podcast for all the current and future PAs out there who are interested in pursuing financial independence. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. He's actually a returning guest. We have Shane Foley back on the episode, who's a practicing PA, and he was on episode 37 with Jordan Fisher. If you haven't taken a listen to that episode, go ahead and take a listen to it. So welcome back to the podcast, Shane. Thanks, Kat. I appreciate you having me back here. It's an honor to be back for a second go around here. And we enjoyed our our first one, Jordan and I, and it seemed to come out great. We were really happy with it and whatnot. So yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I was really excited to dive into today's episode with you because we briefly touched on it back in episode 37, but it really seemed as though this topic needed a whole episode for itself, but it's all about sabbaticals because you've actually taken some sabbaticals. So do you mind sharing, Shane, what a sabbatical actually is and what you feel as though the benefits of taking them are? Yeah, sabbaticals previously, as far as I can tell, were more in the academic realm. So oftentimes uh, professors or whatnot would be able to take a year off and it was usually a paid year off. Uh, and they could do some research or travel, or usually they would be required to bring something back to the university. It was supposed to be them getting enriched and bringing something back to share, uh, whether that was, you know, something academic or in exchange where they were working with another university. But that's kind of just been adopted. That sort of time off, that extended time off is more so uh, how I see a sabbatical, um, it's a break from your professional life. Typically, uh, some people choose to work still, um, but for the most part, it's a it's a break of some sort and an extended one. So not your standard two weeks of vacation, uh, not an extended vacation, three to four weeks, but usually a few months, sometimes a year or more for people. For the most part, to the people I've spoken with who have taken one, they kind of see it as a mini retirement, uh, taking whatever time, couple months, year or more, where they sort of, you know, quote unquote, retire uh, from their professional lives and sort of pursue something else, whether that's just fun or a different type of work or, or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it's whatever you want it to be, frankly. Sure, that's great. I think that it's something that PAs certainly could consider taking, but I think that it certainly is unique for PAs to take sabbaticals. So do you mind sharing what your sabbatical experiences have been up to this point as you've been practicing as a PA? 
Yeah, so actually I will first uh, flash back to when just graduated PA school. Um, and I would call that my first sabbatical, actually. So I took two months off. Um, no, I wasn't. Well, yes, I was hired, but wasn't officially working yet. So in that credentialing process. So I drove cross country. I sort of packed my car up. I had planned a little bit, so it wasn't just spontaneous, but I packed up my little Toyota Yaris and off we went. I had planned certain stops, uh, including taking the pants in Denver, Colorado on my journeys and just drove across the country for about two months or so, because that's about the time I knew I would have. Um, so I left mid-May and returned mid-July, uh, picked up one of my PA school friends in Seattle when I got out there and she joined me for the last couple weeks of the trip. Um, so that was the first one. And then the second one was in between jobs, in between my first and second uh, jobs. And that was about four months in total. Uh, five weeks I spent down in South America doing hiking and just traveling around there. Nice. Uh, yeah, just getting into the culture in Argentina and Peru. Uh, and then also I visited a whole lot of friends uh, who I hadn't seen in those two intensive years of being a PA. Um, and then also did a lot of hiking in the White Mountains of New Hampshire because that was something and is something that I really enjoy. So spent a lot of time there because I had a lot of time on my hands, which is the point. Um, and then lastly, uh, most recently, my wife and I took a trip in an RV. So we bought an RV and we traveled across the country for a few months. In total, we took about nine to 10 months off. Wow. Uh, we, yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, and we brought our dog and we traveled around the country in our RV. And then we also lived in Costa Rica for about a month as well and took a couple side trips here and there as well and just sort of landed on our feet here in Vermont. That sounds wonderful. It sounded like the second sabbatical that you mentioned was in between jobs. Was that third sabbatical in between jobs too? Or have you ever taken a sabbatical away from a current job and returned back to your previous job? So uh, the second sabbatical, um, that I already had a job lined up, okay, uh, which was great. And sort of after they said, yes, we'd like to hire you and offered me the job, I sort of countered and said, can we push back my start date? Sure. Uh, and which they were good with. They were already committed that I was the person they wanted to hire. So what's nice is I kind of felt I had the leverage to do that. So I pushed that back by a month and that bought me all the credentialing time plus one month. So I was secure in the sense that I had a job lined up when I got back, which was nice. Um, gave me a little peace of mind. Uh, the most recent one, the RV trip, though, actually neither my wife nor I had jobs um, on the on the landing, on the reintegration. Uh, we didn't even know where we were going to live, frankly. Okay. So that was kind of a little bit of blind faith. Sure. Um, but confidence, too, that we would figure it out. I mean, you know, be working in medicine, being a PA, there are jobs available. Um, so kind of knew that we'd probably find something for me. My wife's a teacher. She would find something too. very desirable professions. Uh, so I figured we would be fine, which we absolutely were. And I think our backup plan was to sort of <laughs> go back 
uh, and beg our previous employers to hire us again, perhaps. Um, and we sort of left the door open to that with those folks as well. Sure. So when you didn't have a job lined up then, was it hard to find a job as a PA when you returned? And was it difficult at all to try to explain that gap in your employment? Or do you feel like future prospective employers were very welcoming and open to the fact that you took some time off for your sabbatical? Yeah, so doing the job search, uh, we were, you know, we'd be at internet cafes um, or whatnot. I mean, we're stopping on Starbucks and McDonald's and using their free Wi-Fi. And I was checking jobs just along the way. And we were sort of, we had a, you know, couple month swing where if the perfect job was there, we would maybe end our sabbatical early. Kind of in, in hindsight, fortunately, because of like student loan stuff, we sort of were rushed all of a sudden to say, ooh, one of us needs a job in stat. So when I went looking, it, as it turns out, uh, I found a great job that I'm currently in. And sort of the backup plan was to join the Navy, actually. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they're always hiring. So <laughs> I, was looking, <laughs> I was looking into that as an option, too, uh, just because, again, we had a little pressure on us to have one of us land a safe and secure job. Um, but it that all worked out. And with the second half of your question there, um, actually, people are really accepting of these employment gaps. Sure. Uh, in fact, I've found it never to be an issue. Um, it's sometimes a question, you know, a curiosity from credentialing teams or potential employers, HR people, state licensure, things like that. Uh, but usually it actually is an interesting question um, that they ask and I give them an interesting answer. And usually they are very intrigued and want to know more. Totally. Uh, and, in, and in fact, are a little bit envious. I've literally had people say, oh, I wish I could do that or that sounds great. You know, and it's OK. They usually ask you why you have a gap in your employment, like when you're filling out credentialing paperwork. And I just write in there, you know, sabbatical quality time with my wife or whatever, you know, our RV trip. And like I said, it's never been an issue whatsoever. That's awesome. I think that it almost probably sets you apart from other candidates because it shows that you are unique and like to travel and adventure. So it probably sets you apart when they're interviewing all sorts of candidates that you're probably very memorable as a potential future PA for their practice. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, Kat, because I, I have a, a memory of going into the licensure department in the state of Vermont here, and I told them who I was, uh, and then I was checking in on you know the what I needed, make sure they had all the paperwork, and they said, "Oh, you were the one who <laughs> you know was on the trip with your wife." Yeah, how was that? You know, and you're you're absolutely right, and even my potential employers, you know, I've just um, sort of use that, like you said, to stand out, you know, taking an interview from the coast of Oregon, you know, sitting outside our RV, I told them that's where I was and what we were doing. And they were super interested. And, you know, it led to real conversation, not just sort of a back and forth Q&A, uh, which I think was great as well. That's amazing. It shows that you guys aren't afraid of trying different things too. So I think that that's really great that you guys are able to do that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So Shane, if some of the listeners are interested in taking a sabbatical for themselves, do you mind sharing some of the logistics of taking a sabbatical, whether it's things about finances, different career moves, or even things like medical insurance? Which of those topics would you like to talk about first? Uh, As far as career moves, I mean, I think it is a good time to sort of uh, reset, recharge, uh, sort of treat your burnout if that's where you are. So in that sense, it's a great career move um, because you'll have plenty of time to reset and sort of think things through and maybe, you know, change course a little bit if you'd like to. Sure. Um, as far as logistics, I mean, you have to kind of think that likely unless you're just doing a really long staycation, you are probably going to upend your life. Uh, or at least put it on hold. So you kind of have to undo all of those things. And, you know, these days, a lot of things are automated. You don't even think about them. Your your banks, your student loans, et cetera. So there are a lot of moving parts. Um, And that should not stop people from doing it. Um, But you sort of have to make sure you stay organized and try to uh, make sure you know where all the pieces are on the chessboard. Um, and then on the opposite side, trying to reintegrate back and get those things back up and running, uh, again and, and, you know, land on your feet somewhere. So there are are definitely a lot of logistics, um, involved. So if you're someone who can handle that well, then it's fine. And in fact, I found the planning to be kind of fun. Um, I thought that was one of the best parts, frankly. Um, was to do that kind of planning and make sure we had things all in a row. Sure. Yeah, that all sounds very overwhelming, truthfully, to basically kind of stop your current life, take a pause, and then go somewhere else or multiple places. And like you said, there's all different things like mail, internet, insurance, all sorts of things they have to consider, budgets. Um, So it does seem like it would be kind of overwhelming, but it's good that you are a planner. My husband and I, I'm the planner, and he does not like planning at all. And I definitely like planning to an extent, but when you're having to plan all of those things, it certainly seems overwhelming. Do you feel like you have tips or advice of how to plan those types of things? Or is there like a list that you would suggest of those things that you need to cover? Uh, I think just taking a big step back and taking sort of an inventory of your life and what you have, whether it's possessions so. Anything from your furniture to your cars. I mean, in the same way, you know, you might um, sort of look at assets and liabilities. Um, take a look there. Uh, what you know, what what do you have? And I mean, it comes down also to finances. What can you sell potentially sure. uh, to to sort of earn money for this? Which maybe we'll talk about. But then on top of that, just sort of writing things down. And, you know, if you're a spreadsheet person, that's great. Um, but like you mentioned, banking and housing and whatnot. So it's just a lot of a lot of moving pieces, a lot of phone calls, emails, uh, online chats to these places to sort of tell them what you're doing. Or, you know, we had to figure out how to, where would our permanent residence be? Because we wouldn't have one. So we had to figure out where would I list my permanent residence? Where would my wife list hers? And how would we do that when we're actually on the road? And what does that mean? And it's just, if you just do it over time, you know, sort of quitting your job and driving off into the sunset sounds romantic, (laughs) 
but it probably would not be the best way to go. Yeah, easier said than done, certainly. There was actually a book about RVing that I've read. It's called A Beginner's Guide to Living in an RV, Everything I Wish I Knew Before Full-Time RVing Across America. And the author is Alyssa Paget, and her husband, Heath Paget, has an amazing podcast called The RV Entrepreneur. And I believe that they're actually done recording episodes for that podcast. But if you guys haven't had a chance to check out that book or their podcast, they're both super interesting because it's just these nuggets of information of how you can travel and what to do in all those situations. So like you said, pick an address or different types of suggestions for internet or what to do about mail. There's different mail services if you don't have a friend or somebody else that you can send your mail to. So I really like those couple of resources that I would highly suggest people to check out. Yeah, I sort of wish we would have known about those prior to we 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 went into it. Uh, I mean, no, I don't think there's any experience required for RVing realistically, but definitely recommended after yeah. <laughs> having done it ourselves. Certainly. I'll put the link to that book in the show notes for today's episode. But please continue to share about the logistics, Shane. Yeah, I mean, one big piece of logistics are you know, is finances. Um, I mean, how are you going to have enough money for this? Totally. I mean, if you truly are not working, then you've got to save up somehow, right? Um, so there are multiple ways to sort of do that. Um, but you should at least plan on, you know, it might be a cheaper lifestyle, such as an RV lifestyle, probably a little cheaper. Um, but still, I would just try to figure out what you're spending um, over the course of a year, however long you're going to take, and then try to at least cover that with with a nice buffer too. Um, so you can do that in multiple ways. You can sell off your assets. So that's kind of the, if you want to take the island, burn the boat strategy, <laughs> right? So, I mean, the logistics in trying to sell both of our cars and some furniture and then store some other furniture, it was, it was tough, but we pulled it off, obviously. Um, other suggestions would be a payout with your earn time if you have some accumulated. So that can be a big chunk. Uh, it does get taxed pretty heavily, but still may be worth it to do. Um, a brokerage account, so you may pay taxes on the capital gains, but otherwise you could invest over the course of a few years or whatnot, see if you can grow that account. Sure. Um, you could do some per diem shifts. So we did that as well. We picked up some extra shifts and you know, did one per month and that, that helped. I mean, that was a good, a good amount. You could use your raises or your bonuses if you get them, sort of reinvest them in yourself or into your sabbatical, or you could have a side hustle, right? I mean, that's, I mean, in essence, spoiler alert. I mean, that's part of the reason, uh, Jordan and I created the PA blueprint is that, you know, we, enjoy doing it. And if we can make some money doing that as well, that's fantastic. And we hope that that will sort of supplement our lives in the future, including if we ever take any sabbaticals or whatnot. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those logistics. Do you mind if we touch a little bit on the topic of medical insurance? So if you and your wife both weren't working, then you probably didn't necessarily have medical insurance, obviously, through traditional employment. So was there any type of thing that you guys did to try to insure yourselves medically, so to speak? 
Yeah, so we did not uh, opt in for medical insurance. So we definitely talked about that quite a bit. And in the end, we took sort of a calculated gamble. I think big picture, what we had decided was that you know, you could get a catastrophic plan yeah. uh, for insurance and that could potentially work. Uh, we maybe could have considered COBRA as well from our employers. Um, we sort of looked into that a little bit. And then in the end, just like I said, sort of did a, um, you know, calculated gamble, which is fortunately, I think myself, you and a lot of the people listening are PAs. So we have some medical training. So doesn't mean that can get us out of every jam, but at least we had that. We had a really beefed up first aid kit, so we could do anything from suturing to splinting. If we had injuries, we had a few antibiotic prescriptions awesome. available to us. And then we knew that, hey, you know, if someone breaks a bone truly and we need to go to the emergency department, we will just absorb that and we will deal with it when it comes and it may end our trip early and that's okay. Um, so, you know, but we were ready for basically urgent care level stuff uh, for us and then also our dog too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had stuff for her. So we were, that was our insurance policy. So some people wouldn't be comfortable with that. So you could maybe you know, get that catastrophic plan, do COBRA, or maybe if you're still under 26, I mean, you'd have to look at the details, but maybe you could jump back on your parents' insurance. Sure. I don't know all the details there, but that might be an option. Sure. I've also read and heard about those healthcare share plans too, like kind of the healthcare ministry plans as well. It sounds like there's pros and cons with those. Sometimes they work out really well for a lot of people, but sometimes it sounds like it can be challenging to get things covered. But that's certainly an option that people could pursue looking into as well. But like you said, if you are overall pretty young and healthy and feel like you have a good savings or brokerage account that's invested, set aside, and you feel like you have a good emergency fund where if a true legit medical emergency happens, you feel like you could get that covered. Or if you have a decent HSA already saved and invested over the years too, perhaps that could be your backup too. Right, right. I think all of those are great ideas. Um, and again, you just kind of know there might be a level of care needed that you just cannot meet yourself and you may just have to go and head to the hospital and you'll just deal with it. Um, you'll figure it out. But I think the things you suggested are great ideas as well. Sure. So did you have to use any of your amped up first aid kit at all on your trip? Uh, fortunately, no. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, our dog had a little minor issue and we sort of tried to help her with that and wind up having to take her to the emergency vet and no big deal overall. But still, we we did our best to try to take care of it ourselves. Not that... Um, I play veterinarian, but <laughs> I thought it was something basic that I, maybe I could help with. And in the end, you know, that was the plan, which was, okay, we can't do this ourselves. So let's, um, you know, go, go see the appropriate people at this point. Sure, certainly. Now, it sounds like for all of your sabbaticals, you did not necessarily take time off from a current role and return to that role. But do you have any advice for potential PAs that are considering that, they're like, hey, I actually really do like my job, but I feel like at this point in my life, I just need to take a sabbatical, take some time off, 
pursue other options, things like that. Do you feel like that there would be a good way to break the news to your employer? Do you feel like you should kind of ask permission to do that? Or do you feel like you should almost sort of tell them what your plans are and kind of see how they react? Or do you have any insight on that, Shane? Yeah, I mean, I actually had asked at the job we were at prior to the uh, RV trip sabbatical, you know, is there any sort of precedent to that? I first started with my colleagues because I knew those were the folks that, you know, would just be willing to answer that question. Uh, you know, be curious, but not really have any sway in whether yeah, that makes you know, sense. It's going to be yeah in the hot seat or not by asking that question. Um, and so they they told me that really there was no precedence to that that they were aware of. Um, whereas on the flip side, um, just in meeting people in my current job, I know that some people have done such a thing, uh, taken six months to a year off and returned back to their positions. I would say, you know, build up your uh, sort of rapport with your colleagues, do an excellent job, which of course, I mean, we all want to be doing anyway. But if you do that, I think you're going to have more leverage. They're going to say, well, instead of hiring someone we don't know, maybe we'll just get a locum tenens while you're gone. We'll fill it temporarily knowing that you're going to come back. Totally. but I would have sort of a specific time frame uh, in mind, as well as length of time that you're thinking about. I wouldn't just, you know, go to your employer and say, "I think I might take some time off at some point." What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. You want to you want to sort of tell them more specifics, and you know, I would just ask them um, with sort of the backup plan, saying, "Well." they say no am i still going to go do it um they you could always resign and reapply if they have a position for you that was kind of our plan or our backup plan Um, but i would tell them a few months in advance at least if you're considering it we uh, i resigned maybe three to four months uh leading to but really left gracefully and and just you know thank them for you know having having me there and i enjoyed my time and kind of just sort of left the door open a crack uh and said i might be coming back we'll see but either way would keep in touch all right well thank you for giving that advice about how if you are wanting to return to your current role that you might be able to do so with talking to them ahead of time Now I would like to change topics a little bit and ask what your thoughts would be about a PA potentially trying to use telemedicine as a role while they are on a sabbatical. So you mentioned that you did not work at all during your sabbaticals and you literally took the time off. But what if a PA were thinking about working maybe a few hours per week and finding some type of telemedicine role where they could work and use the profits to help offset some of the costs of sabbaticals. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I mean, telemedicine uh, has really um, gained some traction. So it was more so in sort of psychiatry, I think, uh, adopted a little bit more prior to the pandemic. So the pandemic really has sort of just uh, blasted that off. So there are options. My suggestion, and this is total bias, um, is would just be take the time off and do something non-clinical. 
uh, overall. And the reasons for that are, you know, I think it's a little bit of a slippery slope uh, when you say yes to the same job or same profession that maybe has you burned out in the first place. Uh, because we all wish that it were just, hey, see the patient, uh, you know, prescribe some treatment or, but then not have to document, not have to maybe check emails. Um, I mean, if this is a new employee, you might have to get credential. You might have to get a new state license. Yep. What does malpractice insurance look like? I feel like it's a bit of a minefield, frankly. Sure. Uh, and for every patient encounter, you're likely to spend a good, uh, you know, I would assume probably two to three times that amount when you factor in everything. So it's not just a 15, 30, 60 minute visit. So I think that it's probably better to not do that. But again, my opinion, if people were to, they would just have to figure those things out. And then on top of that, if you're on the move, you have to figure out uh, internet access, make sure you have EMR access, make sure you have a quiet environment where you can take your patient calls or video visits uh, as well. I suppose you could try a locum tenens thing. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't have experience there, so I don't know what it looks like medical license um, wise, but I'm sure there are some logistics there as well. But I would, again, one more time, suggest maybe just not clinical practice, maybe something that doesn't have all those logistics. Because isn't that what we're trying to get away from a little bit is all the life logistics that we're doing uh, in our everyday lives. And we're trying to more so just focus on the good stuff. Um, so you could, you know, do something like woofing that's worldwide opportunities on organic farms. So WWOOF, if oh, you want to do okay. a, you know, cost cutting measure or something like that. It's a sure. place to stay. You do, you do work, but in trade, you get a place to stay for free. And that's just an example or have a side hustle or just do something totally different. Something you've always wanted to try. If you'd like, I mean, blog, I don't know, whatever, you know, something that's easier to do on the road and you don't need uh, as many sort of licenses and things like that. Do you do you know how that works with locum tenens at all? I wonder how that would be on the road or or with a sabbatical. Sure. So I have looked into locum tenens just a little bit, and there are some people that I have seen on social media that work in medicine. I believe they're more so like ultrasound techs and RNs that do a lot of this, that actually do live in RVs, and then. They will go ahead and pick up a locum tenens position throughout the country, whether it's a month or three months, and then they work there. And what I did find was kind of interesting was that a lot of times those places can cover insurance in between assignments too, especially if you stay employed with the same locum's position or at least for you know up to a month or so between positions, which is kind of cool that they kind of help bridge some of that medical insurance for you too, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. I mean, although my preference for myself is sort of full immersion into the sabbatical life, um, the time away, I would totally get it if that makes more sense for someone financially, or if they're afraid that you're going to get really rusty. Um, I'll admit it was really challenging after not practicing for nine to 10 months sure. to sort of start back up somewhere. I almost felt like 
you know, a student on rotation eight again or nine or 10, you know, sort of last rotation feeling, which is I had to relearn how to see patients again. And, you know, what, what do I usually do here and what do I normally say and getting my shtick back down? Um, so that was definitely challenging. So if your preference is to, you know, keep those, uh, you know, gears greased, then I would say maybe pick up a little work here or there. That might be a, a good idea. Sure. Yeah. I think that though too, as you mentioned, the perspective of just taking the time off to recharge can really help with burnout overall. So it's not a bad way of looking at it either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think either either strategy, but you have to figure out what will benefit you the most, whether it is to continue working and that's what you need. But overall, I think that most PAs um, with salary that we make and other resources probably could finance up to a year off on their own. Um, again, we've sort of talked about some of the ways to maybe save up or spend less. Uh, but I think it's absolutely doable, especially if you have some time to do it. We took two years to plan for hours. Sure. So again, it wasn't just this overnight thing. It was the idea that blossomed into, okay, this is probably what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And what do we need to do? Um, and then we sort of just had our humongo checklist <laughs> that we were working off of and it all got done in the end. And again, that was a fun, that was a fun time. And it took some of the pressure off. It was amazing how once we set the date of, okay, here's when we're going to resign and you know, here's where we're going to hit the road. Uh, work just didn't seem as bad. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, we just, it was like, oh, there's an end date. Yes. That's fantastic. A light at the end of the tunnel. And, right. And it just seemed so much more palatable every day. Um, just knowing that that was coming up and we just grew more and more excited as the time went by. That's awesome. What surprised you most about taking extended time off during your sabbaticals? Uh, I know I've said logistics probably 36 times. We'll go with number 37, <laughs> but logistics planning uh, was really challenging. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Both sides too, you know, undoing your life and building a new one and then sort of undoing that one that you're now used to and going back to or at least some iteration of what you did before. So that was tough. The reintegration piece was tough. You know, if we had to do any paperwork stuff or get mail or whatever, I mean, we had our parents checking our mail and, you know, forwarding pictures if there was anything they thought was important. So just little things like that. You know, sometimes the not knowing what was coming ahead was both exciting and frustrating as well. I mean, like I said before, sort of just getting back into practice was tough after taking that time off. It obviously is not impossible. Um, and it all came back much faster than, you know, the student days. But uh, it definitely was, was challenging for sure. Sure. So you touched on some challenges with all of that. Are there any other bigger challenges that you felt like you experienced when taking a sabbatical or planning for sabbaticals? Or do you feel like you pretty much covered those? Uh, the other thing I'll say is if you have uh, a significant other or family, you need to be prepared to spend more time with them. And that may sound <laughs> silly, like, of course, everyone wants to do that. But actually, I think some people run on run best on having you know, it's time to themselves. 
and you can find that, right? So, you know, if you're in a 150 square foot RV, it's a little challenging, but we still figured it out. We had our sort of exercise time where we'd go off and do our own thing and come back. And sometimes, you know, we would take a couple hours where we'd just walk around in a city and meet up with the other one at some point. Um, but, you know, when you're in an enclosed space like that, you you better learn how to get along and fast. Um, this is actually, <laughs> our RV trip was our honeymoon, basically. Okay, so wow. We learned, yeah, we learned real fast how to get along and work as a team, which we already were doing anyway. And we're absolutely better for it. Um, but I don't know that everyone would feel that way, you know, when you're doing that and you don't have your sort of professional life or something else that's just yours or that you do with structure. So kind of building that structure is also important as well. Having having goals or having something you plan on doing that day versus just open-ended um, sometimes can be actually a little bit paralyzing for people. Sure. Well, I appreciate your honesty with that answer. I think that, like you said, it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily think of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, make sure you really, really like your significant other or partner or friend (laughs) or whatever, because you're going to be spending lots of time with them. Sure, certainly. So I feel as though I would be doing our listeners a complete disservice, Shane, if I did not ask what some of your favorite experiences and places that you explored on your sabbaticals have been. Oh, that's, yeah, thanks. That's a great question. Um, let's see. On the, I'll take them, I'll be short and take them one by one. The first sabbatical, I'd say real highlights were uh, visiting Yosemite National Park for the first time, uh, Glacier National Park, also really stunning, beautiful. Um, those are really great. Uh, on the trip to South America. So I got to hike the Inca Trail in Peru and the W Trek down in Patagonia in Argentina and being there long enough where I could sort of uh, immerse myself into the culture was pretty spectacular. Um, and then an RV trip, my wife and I really enjoyed uh, around Lake Tahoe. Um, we traveled around Oregon quite a bit as well places in Colorado like Breckenridge um, we really enjoyed and just kind of passing through but still um, and then southern Utah uh, we hiked in the Narrows and did other things in Zion National Park and that was pretty fantastic as well so saw a lot of great things and honestly some of the best times were when we just sort of went off the beaten path and boondocked as it's called where you yep. aren't plugged into power or water or anything. So we would find free campsites and, you know, sometimes would go to sleep on, you know, the coast of California and wake up to beautiful sunrise all to ourselves. Awesome. And just little, yeah, little things like that were absolutely amazing and well worth it. That sounds amazing. What other advice do you have for the listeners who may be considering a sabbatical that we haven't covered already? Uh, I would say just, uh, you know, have contingency plans. Um, so financially, I think that's maybe a little easier. We already covered that a little bit, but I'm talking about 
I would really think about and talk about sort of if you're going with someone else, what is what are your worst case scenarios and sort of what would you do in those situations? Um, you know, for an example, what if one of you got really injured in the backcountry? You know, that's for us was a real thing because we were going to be doing a bunch of hikes. Sure. Um, or even our dog, like we had a dog carrier to try to, you know, if she got injured, which she has previously hiking, we could carry her out to safety. Okay. So things like that we've planned for. Um, but what if a family member got sick or passed away while you were away? Um, on your trip, if it's a trip that you're taking. And we just decided, well, you know, whoever's family member that was, we would fly to be there and take care of things. Um, and the other would figure it out, or we'd meet back up at some point, or we would both go and we'd park the RV somewhere. Certainly. Um, so we, yeah, so just sort of game those out, um, you know, what those might look like, and just be prepared for them the best you can. I mean, you can only sort of mitigate risk at some point. You're not going to walk around in a bubble at the same time. Go have fun, right? But just be ready if things go wrong or at least have talked about it previously. Um, (laughs) We were sort of forced to figure out a contingency plan. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I will for just a minute. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, the plan, our plan with the sabbatical, this most recent one with the RV was to get married. And then sort of uh, head west, basically the day after our wedding was over. But as it turned out, we actually crashed our RV on the way to our wedding. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So talk about contingency plans. We actually really didn't game that one out. Oh, man. At least at that time. Yeah, what did you do? So uh, we just had to figure it out. We went about our wedding and had a great time. And then we figured it out afterwards and we were just delayed to start our trip. Sure. But it all worked out. Just it didn't fine. delay the wedding uh, though, right? Correct. Okay, that's good. Correct. That was all that all went as planned and went off like gangbusters. It was great. So it was fun. And then one more thing here, and this will appeal probably to your audience here, is just um other advice would just be to you know, when you're thinking about a low income during a sabbatical, because even if you're working part-time, it's probably not going to be your normal annual salary. But if you're not working at all, especially, so low income sounds like a liability, but actually there may be some opportunities baked into that. Uh, if you sort of, there may be some tax benefits. There. Sure. So one one thing we're thinking about now that I know a little bit more, and if you want to expand on it, Kat, I am just a novice here, but um, it's like a Roth conversion ladder um, and doing that because our income will be low, at least for one year. And if it goes into another calendar year, it may actually be lowered two consecutive years. So there may be some advantages there uh, tax wise. So, I mean, those are opportunities. So if you really, I mean, that's only if you're interested in that. And again, your audience is probably interested in five, so they're probably perked up at that thought, um, but you can do that as well probably pretty easily and actually wind up coming out significantly ahead with your low income. Yeah, I think that's certainly something that is something big to consider because like you mentioned, Roth conversion ladders, when you convert them during those lower tax years, then you pay hardly any taxes. Otherwise, if you were to convert them 
when you are still making a fair amount of money, then you have to pay heavier taxes because your tax bracket would be higher. I did talk about Roth conversion ladders in episode 13. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, go ahead and do that. But what Shane is talking about is you convert some of your money into a Roth IRA and then you let it sit there. And if it sits there for five years, then you're able to go ahead and take it out. So I think that's a great strategy to try to use. Yeah. And I'm sure there are others that um, you know more about and other people may know about as well in your audience. But that's just one that has come to mind that we're going to consider for maybe next time we do a sabbatical. Yeah, certainly. And it's also a good time to consider to contribute to Roth retirement accounts anyway. If you're not already contributing to Roth IRA, going ahead and doing that in those lower income years is great. Or you could even consider contributing to a Roth 401k instead of a traditional 401k as well during that time. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely think that sabbaticals are something that PAs should consider whether they want to do throughout their career. You know, if you are pursuing financial independence, some people may still work many years and retire at traditional retirement age, but some people may decide to only work fewer years. But regardless, I think that taking a sabbatical is good for people with both options because it helps you to be able to enjoy the time that you have currently, because again, you're not guaranteed those many future years down the road. And it also, like we've touched on a bit, can help with burnout. So it can help you reset. I would say almost all PAs really enjoy the career and the profession, but there are many times that you can just feel like, wow, this is overwhelming, or I really like my job, but it's just very challenging, or there's different things that I feel like are burning me out. But a sabbatical is something that could help with that too. But I think that it really speaks to the concept of financial independence to enjoy the journey to financial independence, not just the destination when you get there. Right, right. I feel like a lot of um, the folks in the popular five folks, um, such as Mad Scientist, you know, oftentimes look back uh, sort of retrospectively and are saying, oh, I wish I had maybe not gone quite as hard and you've been saving 80% and maybe enjoyed the ride a little bit more. So I mean, I think this is an opportunity to do that. And I also don't want to leave your audience or anybody else thinking that this is like one or the other, that you can either pursue fire or you can take sabbaticals. Exactly. But you can't do both. Exactly. You can absolutely do both. It may delay things slightly, but, you know, if you can retire early or be financially independent in 10, you know, 12 years with two sabbaticals instead of 10 years with zero sabbaticals, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, that's great, in fact. Um, so you can do it baked into your plan. Uh, you know, we're, we're on target ourselves. And, you know, our overall plan is to not give up, you know, intermittent sabbaticals. And so it'll will be absolutely fine. The numbers say we'll be well ahead of the game and can can meet all our goals and still have this fun. We don't have to wait till we're 65 you know, and our knees hurt and we can't do as much. And <laughs> exactly. We don't have as much energy. Yeah, we got to, I mean, this pandemic, I feel like has been the ultimate cry for, you know, YOLO, you only live once. Exactly. I mean, because people, I mean, we've just 
seen so much and it's been a good wake up call for all of us that nothing's guaranteed. Um, any one of us, especially in the medical field, goodness, we could all, you know, we could have got sick early on and not done well. Plenty of practitioners did and some, you know, didn't make it even. So I think it's, you know, now's a good time to start planning for a sabbatical or thinking about it at least, or, you know, taking one soon if you're, if you're considering it. I think if you're thinking about it, you should do it. Maybe in five years, it could be in one, three, I don't know, whenever, 10 years, I don't know. But just start dreaming. That dreaming is so invaluable in and of itself that, you know, you're able to think about. I mean, we talk about our next sabbatical and what that might look like and, you know, play out situations. And it's so fun. You know, it just, it seems, uh, it's amazing that that will probably be a reality at some point. But again, if you're thinking about it, you really should do it. Most of you have the resources to do it or can, you know, get the resources to do it. So I would highly suggest it. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I have heard that the process of thinking and planning trips and sabbaticals is almost as enjoyable as actually doing it. So the people who enjoy planning like you and myself, it sounds like we have all that anticipation, all that organization, all that research, and that brings us as much joy as doing the actual trip. So I think there's a lot to be said about that too. Yeah. Yeah. It it was, I mean, truly like a dream situation. Um, we even, my wife and I, we each had five things that we individually chose that we had to do. So we had this like top 10 list that we were going to do. such a great idea. Like, yeah. Like money doesn't matter for those sure. things on every other day. It matters to a certain degree, but those things go all in. What kind of adventures do we want to have? You know, those are just going to be great days and great experiences. Um, but whatever floats your boat, um, whatever gets you, you know, whatever's going to bring you joy, that's what you should, you know, try to pursue. If you've always wanted to live in another country, who says you can't do that? You know, if you want to do your sabbatical and you've always wanted to, you know, uh, go live in France or go live in Australia or something. I mean, a sabbatical is a perfect time to do that. Um, just whatever you, you, whatever you can dream up and whatever will make you happy. I think that's, you know, more than enough to guide you. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Well, my husband and I have certainly been considering a sabbatical and we have no idea what that would look like or when that would be, but it's something that we've definitely talked about. And I really appreciate that you have shared your advice and came on the episode today to kind of re review all of those things that we've talked about so far. Yeah, Kat. So actually, that's a great thing I wanted to ask you. So um, let's do a little hypothetical here. So I'm going to put you on the spot. So uh, if you sounds like you've talked about it, thought about it, but what's your sort of uh, dream scenario? If you were to take a sabbatical, what might that look like? Sure. So I can definitely go a couple of routes with this. It sounds like the dream sabbatical with my husband that he would enjoy the most and that I can definitely get on board with would be a RV trip and visit lots of national parks around the country. I highly value and love international travel, but I always have to twist his arm a little bit to leave our country. So <laughs> so we'll see what, what the future holds for all of that. But I think that RVing around the country and trying to see lots of what the U.S. has to offer, and like you said, trying to boondock as you go a little bit or 
visit different places that you just don't have a chance to visit all the time. Yeah. I mean, just because, you know, um, it sounds so similar in something that we did, I would just highly recommend it as a great way to travel around if you wind up doing the RV thing or the international thing. I can't really speak to that too much, a little bit, but not too much. But either way, um, you know, I think whatever you choose will be will be great. Yeah, certainly. Um, and you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, when we sort of reintegrate back, I just feel like I'm never exactly the same person. Sure. You know, I've learned a lot about myself and learned what I like, what I don't like, what I do want in my life, what I don't. I mean, it just gives you time to reflect and enjoy life. And, you know, it's hard to get back into the normal swing of things. Um, you know, it can feel a little intimidating and maybe just want to sort of keep living that sabbatical life or basically retirement, right, in essence. Um, but, you know, it's fine going back. And like I said, I actually never really feel quite like the same person. Always a little bit different in a, in a better way, um, you know, with those experiences uh, that we can draw upon. Yeah, that's awesome. I think if we ever were to do some type of international travel in the future, I think it would be very enticing to practice slow travel where you stay, you know, maybe a couple of months or a few months in a place and then go ahead and move to another city or country, stay there for a bit because otherwise all these vacations that we do over the years just seem like they're way too quick. By the time you travel overseas and then come back, you take so many, sometimes, you know, a few days to actually acclimate to the new time zones and you're just so tired. There's jet lag, those types of things. And a lot of times you visit a place and you're like, oh man, that just was not enough time. So we'll see if that type of travel happens in the future too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So much better to be somewhere for a little bit and settle in. Um, you know, it's uh, immersion is much better than doing, you know, sort of, unfortunately, I feel like it's pretty American to show up and be somewhere for one to two weeks because that's oftentimes what people get for vacation and they just pack so much in there uh, that they have to see everything and eat eat everything they've read about and uh, whatnot and it's it's pretty intense and like you said you almost have uh, you need a vacation from your vacation it's like you have a a trip hangover whereas if you have if you yeah if you have more time you can spread those things out and you can find things that you would never normally see um, just on the beaten path. Um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to like some cultural immersion and, and future sabbaticals. Um, we would love to sort of our ultimate dream is to try to, um, you know, spend at least six months up to a year um, on different continents. Cool. So living in different countries and traveling around there and like we're talking about just sort of, um, you know, just immersing ourselves in the, in those cultures and, and just seeing what we can do, learn the language, just all that stuff. I think it would just be amazing. And that appeals to us. That would bring us joy. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking all the time today to be able to talk about everything that we've covered so far, Shane, you've definitely have brought lots of experience, lots of advice, lots of insight for those of us who are pursuing or thinking about sabbaticals as we practice as PAs. Do you mind sharing, Shane, where people can find you and be in touch with you if they have more questions? 
Yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure uh, to be on your podcast again. Thank you so much. Kat. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate it. Yeah. And if people want to find me, so basically, as you said earlier, sort of one half of uh, the PA Blueprint duo. So that's really where to find me at this point. So uh, I don't know, let's start with Instagram. So at the PA Blueprint, uh, email the PA Blueprint at gmail.com. If you have questions about this episode or want to chat about it, I, I love this topic. So I'd be happy to chat with people. Um, and then our website, if you want to check out what we are doing, Jordan Fisher and I, it is the PA Blueprint.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information. And it was an absolute joy to interview you and review all these different topics that we covered today. So thanks again, Shane. Yeah, you're welcome, Kat. And I really look forward to helping you plan for, uh, you know, maybe this hypothetical, this dream sabbatical, if it ever happens, you let me know. And I'm happy <laughs> to help you and others. And I will live vicariously through your planning and your, and your trip as well. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.